1: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
2: I spent about six months last year essentially volunteering on organic farms in exchange for room and board. One of the farms I stayed it was actually an off-the-grid homestead near Mount Hood, Oregon, populated by shamanic hippies, who had some wild stories, themselves, and while not remote, was deep enough in the mountains that we had no neighbors for at least 10 miles in every direction. Beautiful, forested land with an amazing view of Mount Hood from the garden. I was camping every night for about two weeks before weird things started happening. The first bizarre occurrence happened not to me, but to a fellow friend, who I'll call Jay. Now, I am not particularly outdoorsy. I grew up in the woods in North Florida and spent my formative years getting lost in places I shouldn't be, but I don't have a great deal of camping experience and only the most basic survival skills. I am comfortable in the woods, but only until sunset. Jay, a true outdoorsman had been a forest ranger in the Alaskan bush for two years prior and frequently went on weeks-long solo backpacking trips. He had shown up at the farm a few days after me and had set up camp over a mile further down the mountain than I had. Which I initially thought was a dickish move but later came to appreciate because he played his harmonica at all hours and nobody needs to hear that shit. He was a slow-talking Minnesotan that favored all things logical. One morning, We met up for breakfast and he asked me if I had heard all that screaming the night before. I hadn't. He told me that he had been laying in his tent with his headlamp on, reading a book when he heard a deep, rumbling scream just outside his tent. He turned his lamp off to listen more closely, and realized that his entire tent was illuminated from the outside, as if someone was aiming a floodlight at it. In the few seconds after he turned his headlamp off, two things happened in rapid succession. The screaming cut off as if someone had flipped a switch, and the light from outside clicked off. He listened for footsteps, but heard nothing. After a few moments of silence, he turned his headlamp back on and left his tent to investigate, because I guess he had never seen a horror movie in his whole goddamn life. He said that there was nothing in the clearing and no movement from the surrounding forest, even though he hadn't heard anything leave. And the scream had been very close too, if not within, his camp. Then he apparently shrugged to himself and went to sleep, or maybe he passed out in fear and was too much of a man to admit it. He told me this over breakfast and I was horrified. He said he'd never heard an animal that sounded like that and could not explain the light, except that maybe a hunter had found their way onto our land. But then where did they go? He listened for footsteps and heard nothing. He didn't seem worried, just a bit perturbed. It was very Minnesota of him. Everything was quiet for a few weeks after that incident. Jay left for another farm, and I remained in my old campsite, only about three-quarters of a mile down from the main cabin. I was comfortable in my tent and no longer jerked awake at broken twigs or animals moving through the brush. I was very proud of myself, look at me, an outdoors woman. Which was, of course, when the screaming started. I was laying in my tent, just on the edge of sleep when it started. It was a deep, low roaring. Unlike any animal I knew to live in the mountains in that region. I consoled myself by saying it was an injured black bear, a messed up wolf, some kind of Lovecraftian mutant elk. Then, from farther down the mountain, something else began screaming, answering. The two would ever shrieked at each other for the better part of an hour. I laid in my tent, trying to psych myself up to hike back up to the main cabin, but couldn't quite commit. I laced up my boots and put on my headlamp in case I had to make a run for it. Eventually, the screaming stopped and I somehow managed to sleep. I woke up somewhere around 4am to something very large shuffling in the bush directly behind my tent. I laid in the dark and listened, absolutely terrified. Elk? Bear? Bear? It was too large. I could hear it ruffling branches of trees at least six feet off the ground. I heard it take a step, and then another. Bipedal. Human? Hunter? A hunter would never be as loud as this thing was, and I seriously doubt they would disturb an obvious campsite. Besides, in the month I'd been on the homestead at that point, I'd never heard a gunshot. I'd never seen anyone other than the people I was working with this far up the mountain for that matter. I laid there, considering my options. It moved slowly, like it was picking through the bushes behind me. Which, in retrospect, of course it was, I'd camped right next to wild blackberry. I laid and listened and waited for a long time, almost until sunrise. It was moving slowly down the mountain. I laid in my tent long after the noise died out. When I finally managed to rally my nerves and leave my tent the brush behind my tent was obviously disturbed. I thought about investigating, looking for prints, droppings, but decided I'd rather just repress the whole thing and deal with it when I was far, far away from these woods. At breakfast, I asked my host, Anne, about the screaming. She was delighted that I'd had a run-in with the forest people, she said that years ago when they'd moved onto the land, The forest people would get into their garden and make a mess of things, so she'd started leaving baskets of produce for them as a sign of goodwill. They'd left the garden alone since. Then I camped out for another week before it got too cold and I moved into the main cabin. And never heard anything weird again. Pretty anticlimactic, but I guess real life usually is. Still very bizarre and interesting. As a lifelong student of all things esoteric, it verified a lot of suspicions I had. Mostly that weird shit happens in the woods. It's also pretty telling that everyone I met in the Cascades. Granted most of them were of the shamanic, metaphysical persuasion had a Sasquatch story. There were a few other strange things about that place, but this story is by far the most interesting. Oregon is a weird, wonderful place. I'm a police officer. So, I had just finished my shift and was on my current way home. I had stopped off at Wendy's to grab a quick bite to eat. It was right around midnight, so the drive-thru was pretty dead. As I went through the line, I saw this thing just standing there, watching me from across the parking lot. Not sure what it was, but it looked really tall and skinny, with gangly arms and legs hanging out. It gave me this very uneasy feeling, and I watched it as it turned and walked away over to some shrubbery behind one of those big light poles by the parking lot exit and entrance. I try not to think too much of it and just drove away. There's just something about what I saw that still really spooked me. I feel very unsettled in my stomach just thinking back to it. As I was getting home from work, I was still shaken up. I could not stop thinking about what I saw. So I decided to show my son and daughter, 8 and 10, who were getting ready for bed, about what had rattled me so badly. Not that I could actually show them, but at least tell them. My kids kind of just looked at me like I was crazy, but being kids, I found they would believe me a lot more than my wife would. Then they started telling me about Slender Man, which sounds like it might be what I saw, but I don't know any of these creepypasta characters kids watch nowadays. Could you kindly give me any information on what do you think I saw, and was this paranormal or not? I suppose it is expected that anybody who chooses to follow in the footsteps of smoking the bear would be possibly stuck in a few scary situations. That certainly was the case for me as I spent my nights working alongside park rangers on some of the most dangerous and terrifying trails in the states. It's not what one might think about being a ranger, though. We don't spend every day sitting around watching deer graves or children play in the playgrounds. Instead, what happens behind those locked gates is something more akin to horror movies than a picnic. If you manage to find your way through these wooded corridors without being eaten alive by some wild animal or eaten after by a bear, you could end up with some serious psychological damage. As my first summer as a ranger was coming to an end, I decided that I wanted to spend one last night in the woods alone. Not many rangers do that kind of thing anymore, but for me, it was sort of this cleansing ritual. My girlfriend had just broken up with me at the time, and I needed time to work through that emotional trauma. I knew there were other people who understood my pain. They would be likely willing to talk about the world ending when we got close enough in proximity but every man needs his space from time to time, even if he is working within the confines of the law. To be honest, I wasn't really sure where to expect to be out there in the woods with no one else around. I had been alone quite a few times before but never running into any real trouble. But this time, my mind was racing through the worst case scenarios, and it almost felt like fate that I would get caught up in some kind of adventure by myself. Either I was going to find somebody who could relate to all my situations or perhaps even fall for them as they helped me do it all. Anyway, I made it to the trailhead, and then Julian began hiking down towards it to my favorite spot at Lake Oroville State Park. The entire park is beautiful, located not far from Sacramento, but until you are actually standing deep within its borders, you can't truly grasp its beauty. I loved watching the weather rolling over the water feeling the cold air as it rushed past my face and into my lungs, waking me up from a lazy afternoon nap. I felt at peace with myself every time I visited this spot, but not so much that other people bothered me. That's why this was almost certainly going to be a good night. I just crossed over one of the small bridges leading across the lake when I heard something rustling behind me, more similar to low growls than anything else, really it sounded like something was stalking towards me, perhaps a bear. The only thing about these sounds that didn't scream bear were its frequency. They were more sporadic than I would have expected. My ears picked up this distinct sound of footsteps more than once, actually, as if somebody were running towards me directly through the thicket. Not wanting to meet with whatever was out there on my own terms, I scrambled for one of the trees and threw myself up into it to try and hide. Unfortunately, jumping back had cost me more time than I realized, and by the time that I reached around and grabbed hold of a branch, something hit me hard right in the side. You know, it feels like forever before I felt like landing against something soft and squishy. It wasn't exactly warm or inviting, so all of those other feelings must just be an illusion brought on by adrenaline. It only took a single moment for me to realize what had been happening, that I had been wrapped at the ankles, waist, shoulders, and neck in some kind of netting. I didn't know what exactly it was made out of, but it wasn't rope. It was some sort of binding material. My hands were then completely immobilized by entanglement as well, so there wasn't much I could do other than struggle against my bonds, a dead-end endeavor if there ever was one. Now, the first thing I noticed when I could finally see again is it was completely dark around me all light coming from behind with only blackness ahead. Two dim lights appeared along the walls on either side of me and began approaching slowly. As my eyes now adjust, they were really more like natural animal eyes than any sort of man-made illusions. Even worse, I noticed that the blackness ahead of me wasn't really coming from a lack of light at all. Instead, there appeared to be some kind of organic wall blocking up my view, spreading out across the room to each side. I had no idea how large this place was, but it must have been bigger than what I could see. One behind me and another in front of me, they made themselves known. Moments later, footsteps. The noises were too far away for me to make out at first, but then I could hear they belonged to something, and more than two. Now, at this point, Fear began gripping my heart as I lashed out against my binds once again, only to find that they hadn't been loosened in the slightest. More so, I thought, we'll get to that in a moment. I was hauled from my small prison by several sets of long clawed hands that dragged over what appeared to be some kind of altar. It was much different from one of those sacrificial altars appearing to be used in ancient times for rituals. The ones to appease unworldly beings were said to lurk within the space between two worlds. But this one seemed more like a place where people got together for satanic worship or other unholy activities. These beings holding me lured me down onto it and began weaving this sort of flower all around me while chanting something in this ungodly language. I was so terrified, I swear I could have had a heart attack. I could make out all the words, But I had no idea what this thing was or what they were saying. The entire group of these things began chanting in unison as they surrounded me, continued weaving more of this plant material around me. It felt like forever before they finally got to the last one. All I could do was just lay there on my back, completely immobilized by flowers while these creatures circled around me once and turned their backs towards me. The chant stopped abruptly, and every creature but one turned to leave. The remaining one tossed this mask aside, revealing a set of devilish features underneath it. What I had been dealing with looked like a combination of wild feral human beings and kind of goblinish people. You know what, it kind of reminded me of the trolls or orcs in Lord of the Rings. Humanoid, terrifying looking, but also not human. That's what they reminded me of. It stood there, shaking its head from side to side slowly with its arms raised upward as I tried to break free. Again, I cannot reiterate how terrifying this was. I had no idea what was going to happen, and I was convinced in that moment I was about to be sacrificed by some sort of underground dwelling creatures. I was so scared beyond belief. Then, this thing pulled its arm down after shaking its head and walked away. Completely immobilized, I tried my best to get out of my entrapment. And I believe it was the massive amounts of adrenaline exploding through my entire being that allowed me to break free. As I did, though, I could hear these things coming back, and I knew I had to escape as quickly as I could. Once fully free, I started to run for it, escaping in just a matter of time, feeling my way out of this black organic labyrinth. I don't know if I was in a cave or what this was but as I reflect back on these memories, I had so much flooding through my mind. I feel like I kind of blacked out. I don't really know if I remember much after that, but I do distinctly remember collapsing on the ground and being found later on. I know that's probably very anticlimactic, but when the human body endures that kind of traumatic stress, it does things to the brain that aren't exactly normal. Anyway, I was treated at the hospital, ultimately taken back to the station, and sent home. I didn't actually believe what I experienced at first. I thought it was some crude nightmare or horrible hallucination. But it wasn't until later that I realized it must have been something that really happened because I actually had binding marks around my ankles, my thighs, my waist, and my wrists. Those bindings were on tight, and I must have wiggled free enough that I loosened them. Like I said, Whatever the bindings were made of, they were this crude rope vine material. I've never seen it before in my life. None of them really believed me, though, when I actually got a chance to describe what happened. They thought I was either making it up or just had a bad nightmare. As you can probably bet, this incident has been difficult for me. At any rate, this is my story, and I hope you can get enjoyment from a real life traumatic event. I don't care if you believe me, and if you choose to read this, which, by the way, you have permission to, I don't care if your readers believe me. I know there's something out there that lives underneath the ground, something that isn't quite human. I walk with cautious excitement through the old Comanche reservation. My name is Hosa a young Comanche Native American archaeologist deeply connected to the rich history and spiritual traditions of my people. Today, I had stumbled upon a burial ground that had been concealed from us for centuries. As I brushed away the dirt and leaves, I uncovered ancient texts etched onto weathered stones. The symbols spoke of a forgotten era, revealing a harrowing tale of an unknown predator that had ravaged our ancestors two hundred years earlier. The text spoke of its monstrous features, a beast with antlers, a snout, and six terrifying legs. The predator's insatiable appetite for blood left our people in fear and despair. Intrigued, I delved deeper into the mysterious history of our tribe. However, with every step, I couldn't shake the feeling that unseen eyes watched my every move. Strange occurrences surrounded me, The whispers of the wind carrying warnings that echoed through the trees. It wasn't long before I realized that the unknown predator described in the texts was not just a relic of the past. It was real, and it was pursuing me relentlessly. Fear coursed through my veins as I witnessed its monstrous presence in deep woods, while I was hunting. Its antlers piercing the night sky, and its six legs propelling it with unimaginable speed. Determined to protect my people and unveil the truth, I embarked on a perilous journey. Armed with knowledge and guided by the spirits of my ancestors, I sought to confront the predator head-on. It was a battle of survival, a clash between human will and primordial terror. After many heart-stopping encounters, the ultimate twist revealed itself, a betrayal that cut me to my core. Our tribe leader, the one whom I trusted and respected had concealed dark secrets that were meant to stay buried. The predator, it turned out, was somehow linked to our own people's history, a curse that had been hidden for generations. With clarity, I understood that the responsibility to end this cycle of fear and betrayal fell upon my shoulders. Armed with my ancestral bow and arrows, I faced the predator in a final showdown. Adrenaline surged through my veins as I unleashed a barrage of arrows, each one finding its mark until the beast finally fell. As the life drained from its monstrous form, it vanished before my eyes, leaving behind only a lingering sense of victory mingled with sorrow. I had fulfilled my duty, but the wounds of betrayal ran deep within my soul. In the end, I emerged from this terrifying ordeal with a newfound strength and resilience. The burial ground, once shrouded in darkness, had now been exposed to the light. I vowed to protect my people and ensure that the sins of the past would never haunt us again. For it is through the wounds of betrayal that we learn the power of our own spirit, and the strength to build a brighter future. I am a biologist, and one of the perks of the job is being able to see some remote and spectacular places that people don't see very often. Part of my work involves collecting insects from remote waterholes out in the middle of Australia, a few hundred kilometers north of Uluru. One of the ladies I work with, Alice, lives out there full time, spends a lot of time out bush and has spent a lot of time with the local aboriginal people, so she has a trove of stories and weird experiences. But I'll just tell you about the one I had. So, as I said, I visit a lot of waterholes out there being a very arid region, these waterholes hold great spiritual and cultural significance to the indigenous people. Most, if not all of them are sacred in some way, and they all have traditional stories attached to them. So, one day four of us headed out to this particular site, a full day of heavy four-wheel driving through the Fink Gorge. We get there not long before sundown, and as we pull up, there is a black dingo standing in the spot we are going to camp. He stares at us for a bit, then disappears off into the bush, as they do. This in itself isn't weird. Plenty of dingoes out there and they come in a range of colors. Not that common to see a black one but they are around. So that's fine. We set up camp, have a nice night of looking for pythons and drinking wine, yep, biologists. We slept in swags, kind of like a tent that just fits a sleeping bag, and sometimes has a little fold-up netting bit so you can sit up in there. It was really windy that night, so no problems with spooky noises, and I went to sleep pretty quickly. That night I had a really vivid dream about the black dingo coming into camp, sniffing around my swag and scratching at the netting trying to get in. It bothered me, and I woke up, but went back to sleep pretty soon after. Still, not so weird. We woke up in the morning, did our sampling, packed up camp and started off on the long drive back to town. After we have been driving for a bit, Alice starts talking about how seeing the black dingo at the campsite when we got there really freaked her out. She didn't say anything earlier because she didn't want us to be spooked. Turns out that in the traditional folklore, that waterhole is protected by a black dingo spirit. The last time Alice camped there with other people, one of them had a dream that a black dingo came up to their swag, and started attacking her. This lady woke up with long, deep scratches all over her face, and no reasonable explanation for them. I had no idea of this story before I had the dream, and didn't mention it to anyone that morning. There is definitely a special feeling to a lot of these places. Very hard to describe. When you are out in this country, these kinds of weird semi-spiritual coincidences are commonplace. I have some more stories, but I'm typing on my phone and my thumbs are sore. Three teenage witnesses were playing basketball from 6 to 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. The weather was clear and sunny and they were across the street from a fire station in Fairview, New Jersey. While walking back to a friend's home the reporting witness noticed that the area was empty of cars and people when normally there would be 50 to 100 people in the park. The witness stated that he observed rainbow colors out of the corner of his right eye. When he looked he saw a shining silver metallic saucer with round tinted windows. He alerted his two friends who also saw the craft. He heard and felt whirring air and a roaring sound. His shirt was flapping as if in a five-mile-an-hour wind, but there was no wind. They were paralyzed and could not run. They later arrived back at his friend's home with no memory of walking there. The witness discussed the incident with two friends, both now deceased, and they had no memory of being on the craft as he did. He recalls seeing them on operating tables but he was standing approximately 30 feet away. The craft appeared larger inside than outside, possibly 400 feet across. About 25 creatures, approximately 4 feet tall were present with about 10 to 15 around him and the rest around his friends. The creatures were gray in color with large round heads and large black eyes. The creatures were touching him all over. They were speaking telepathically and were surprised when they realized that he could hear them. His mother had previously told him that psychic abilities were common in their family but he had never really believed it. He asked why they were there. His impression was that they were friendly and curious and meant no harm. He believed that they were trying to help his two friends who both had heart problems and he believes that their lives may have been extended by the aid rendered on the craft. He remembers looking out the window and down onto the basketball court where they had been playing he could see other beings moving about in long corridors. He remembers seeing the craft ascend after they had been returned. It moved up and to the right, then left, then up and away leaving a rainbow-colored trail behind. When he returned to his home his mother said he seemed changed and he replied, it's no big deal mom. Before this report he had only confided this story to his two daughters because he did not feel that anyone would believe him. I wasn't alone. I was working on a shrimp boat that was out to sea. Unbeknownst to me, most of the coastal shrimpers just go out for the day. For reasons unknown to me, our captain took us way the F out there. I think he said something about trying out new shrimping grounds. Anyway, we were heading into a storm, turned out to be a Cat 2 hurricane, and the boat was rocking. We got our rescue here I and waited for the inevitable. It never came, but none of slept that night. It was eerie passing through the eye. Totally calm, while everything else raged around us. We had all made our peace. The next morning we had either gone through it, or we came back the way we came. Either way we were on the edge of the storm. The captain was tired so we took the day off. The first mate and I sat on the deck for a fair bit of the day watching the last of the hurricane and the start of a new storm we thought we had this smaller storm beat. We lowered the boom masts again, and braced for heavy seas. The first mate brought along a bunch of weed, and taught me how to roll a join in your hand, and how to smoke it. By this time as was getting late in the day and the storm was getting more energetic. Lots of thunder and lightning. We could see the reflective light and hear the thunder so we knew it was at least ten miles out. The first maid who was pretty stingy otherwise rolled me a big ol' fat joint and told me to enjoy it. Of course I was in hog heaven. It never occurred to why this skinflint was sharing all this with me. He absolutely didn't have to, hadn't before, and wouldn't afterwards. At some point it dawns on me. So I ask why now, and not last night when I was wholly terrified in a life vest and high vis ocean survival suit thing. He points off in the distance and I see a little itty-bitty funnel cloud. Looks like a tornado. In the open water they're called water spouts and they're just as dangerous. So I get kinda worried. The first mate laughed and said look around. There were at least 13 water spouts within a few miles of us. The first mate wasn't watching the storms. He was watching these water spouts pop up every so often, getting a little closer each time. By now the captain is awake, and we're booking it anywhere but where we were. By the time all was said and done we had gotten past by three different spouts, got a rain of sand dollars, jellyfish, and a load of other ocean goodies. We had one go directly over us and touched down 10 yards from the deck. I was scared of the hurricane, but these salty dogs were totally and completely terrified of the water spouts. It was and is by far the creepiest thing that's ever happened to me. Noises in the woods, being followed by a black bear are all upsetting, but for some reason being in that boat at that time got under my skin. I don't really believe in any cryptids though the idea of them is fun, except for Mothman. Around the time of these sightings in mid-fall 2017, I lived in a small town in southeast Michigan, Oakland County, and was attending high school. My older sister, who is 9 years my senior and had a similarly timed work schedule, drove me to school extra early every morning so I could attend an extra hour and fit another class into my schedule. It was awful and started at 6 a.m., but we only lived about 15 minutes from my school so it wasn't all that bad of a drive. One morning we were making our way to the school as per usual through some super curvy wooded back roads by our house, a route we took every day. Suddenly, in a break between the section of road we were on, just between the third curve and the last curve before the road straightened out, I noticed two glowing red spots about maybe 600 to 800 feet in the distance. At first, I brushed it off as the area was known for deer and the spacing for eyes wasn't too far off. But I couldn't shake the wrong feeling I had. The eyes just weren't the right color to be reflecting deer eyes and, as we neared closer, it became apparent to me that if these indeed were eyes. The figure was far too tall to be any type of animal I could think of. It was still really dark out so I was only able to make out the eyes and a dark black silhouette before. As our headlights were finally near enough to begin illuminating the figure it took off into the sky like a literal bat out of hell. It moved incredibly fast and before it took off the dark silhouette expanded significantly in a manner that was incredibly similar to how birds use their wings to take off. Before I could hardly register what had just happened it disappeared over the tree line and out of sight. At first, I was worried I was seeing things however as I looked over at my sister. I was met with a mirror of my same shocked expression. She asked incredulously if I had just seen that too and we began conferring.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: ...about what we just saw. I was relieved to hear that I wasn't going crazy as she described the same things I had also just seen. I still think about that morning to this day and was surprised when a couple of years after it, I came across your articles and reports. A lot of the sightings and encounters you compiled dated around the same time. I saw what, I believe more and more every year, had to be Mothman. I've been going through this for a long time. I'm 28 and feeling frustrated, lost, and ready to die. Recently, I had an encounter with a person entity that made me realize I'm not crazy. It's important to be careful about what you believe because childhood stories can turn out to be real. These entities are present all the time, often unnoticed. They appear as flickers of light, similar to the sparks when you hold your breath or get hit hard. Their intelligence in observing us is a mistake on their part. It all started when I was a child always curious and seeking to understand how everything worked. I had knowledge beyond my years, even though I didn't fully comprehend it. The adults knew I was different. They control everything, and were caught in the middle of their game. Demons, ghosts, fairies, trolls, Nephilim, and even aliens are real. I've seen more than my fair share of them. I'm dead serious about this, and if you put me on a lie detector, you would know. When I was 8, I discovered a circle mark on my stomach. Months later, I developed a sixth sense, predicting when things would go wrong. I could also sense the emotions of both humans and animals. At the age of 13, I witnessed shadows moving at the end of my bed, and I would become paralyzed with fear. When I woke up, I had a brand on my right hand. At 16, the shadows appeared again, and I woke up with a brand on my chest. This mark stayed with me until I was 18. At 20, my gift of sensing emotions became overwhelming, making it hard for me to go anywhere without having an anxiety attack. At 22, a deep, beautiful voice spoke to me, telling me to search for the golden compass using a golden seal. I couldn't come up with something like that on my own, and I couldn't find any information about it. When I turned 23, I experienced the touch of death when something grabbed my shoulder, leaving me frozen with fear. On July 9th, at the age of 23, I had a terrible feeling that something horrible was about to happen. The next day, my fiancé died in a car accident, drowning upside down in a pool. Since then, the entities that visit me at night have become hostile, trying to paralyze me, but I won't let them. I fought against one of them recently and was able to break free. Now, at 28, I'm ready to ask for help. People like me, with unique abilities, are seen as threats by these entities. They have their own plan, and we need to figure out which side we're on. About a decade ago, I went looking for deer sheds in a new place here in northeast Oregon. I had a pretty good day and picked up a few buck horns. As a chronic sufferer from next ridgeitis, I was still a few miles from my truck as it was getting dark. I had stupidly left my headlight in the truck, so I knew it was going to be a long evening fumbling in the snow and deadfall timber. Right at dark, I heard a wolf howl in the bottom of the canyon maybe three quarter mile directly downhill, big country. I thought to myself well that's pretty cool then heard another respond a few hundred yards closer. I was really enjoying the experience until another responded 100 yard behind me in the pitch black timber with a much deeper, gut-wrenching howl. After a moment of silence, the surrounding area ignited with howls in every which direction. No longer really enjoying the experience, I unstrapped a 4PT shed to protect myself, and began the trek towards my truck which was right in line with the source of the deep, commanding howl. So off I go, in the pitch black timber, in a remote area I had never been before, with nothing but a 60 ft shed to protect myself. Meanwhile the wolves were communicating back and forth, until the alpha would howl and shut them up momentarily with the eeriest howl you can imagine. This continues as I make my way through the woods, however every time the Alpha would howl it was still 100 yards behind me. After this happens a few times, I get a solid idea of what is taking place, it's following me. All I can do is keep hiking. After a while, I make it back to a trail, and scoot pretty quickly back to my truck. Upon reviewing Google Earth later that night and identifying landmarks, I determined that the wolf stayed right behind me for two half-miles as I fumbled my way in a V-shaped line back to my truck. The next day and subsequent weekends, I went back, properly armed, and counted at least ten wolves in that pack, and was able to identify the alpha based on his howl, a big old grey-coloured one. I've had cats creep up on me at night, had my share of supernatural experiences, none backcountry-related, thankfully but nothing will make a guy feel more vulnerable than walking through the pitch black woods, without a headlight, without a sidearm, not really knowing where he's going, pre on x or gps for me, and being followed by the alpha wolf. Needless to say, I now always carry a headlight, batteries, and some form of protection on me at all times. I go camping now and then, And there's really nice lake out in the woods about 3-4 hours walk east of Oslo, Norway. It's a popularish camping spot. So, a friend and I are running out of firewood and it's pitch black. Bad planning plus whiskey drunk, so we grab our flashlights and head out to get some more bits and pieces to keep the fire going. Now, the lake is large and dotted around the lake we can see about 3-4 fires going. Other happy campers. One campsite in particular is Rowdy. It's a good 200 meters across the lake but we can hear them chanting and singing football songs and generally be obnoxious. It's about 2am now and we want to sleep. I can do this weird thing with my voice. I let all the air out of my lungs and then breath in really fast and tighten my voice box. I can create this ungodly, banshee, inhuman scream that is loud and does not sound human. So I go for it. Within a second, the noise from other campsites stop and the fires are doused within 10 seconds. You could hear a pin drop all across the lake. Silence. Sheer terrified silence. Even my campmate was freaked out, he'd never heard me do it before. I was taking a nap at 3 p.m. in my apartment on my Murphy bed and my girlfriend was down the hall with her friend. We lived in Coral Springs, Florida. I noticed her standing in my living room. It was a studio apartment and the entity stood in front of my entertainment system. I thought it was my girlfriend but quickly realized I could neither fully open my eyes nor sit up. I could see her through the slits of my eyes the sun was coming through the window and the silhouette and outline of her head was irregular. I was not afraid, instead I tried to communicate while trying to sit up. She stood there like a doctor or mother she worked on a screen which was small seemed to run diagnostics from a distance she was wearing red with what seemed to be red lace over her head if it was not from the sun shining through the veil I would not have noticed her irregular shaped head. I was excited and I did not fear her however she would not allow me to sit up she literally was capable of hijacking my frequency preventing me from moving. I lost sight of her when a footstool began spinning on the floor out of sight because it was in front of my bed with every bit of energy I had I tried to sit up I really needed to see this stool spinning I knew it was the stool because I had Italian tiled floor my footstool made a distinctive sound when moved across it. When she finally released me I literally dove to the edge of the bed to watch this stool stop just after for my own personal confirmation. I have had several experiences some with formulas and I mean actual equations that our minds cannot decipher only those who think in light can read these small equations which are literally volumes of books in translation that they can read like we read the headline news. Also similar events like this have been happening since I was a child. I am now 44. My cousin and I were on our second elk hunt. It was rifle season in the Oregon Cascades. We had been hunting hard and were pretty much exhausted from hiking and trying to locate elk. We decided that we would hit up a small valley that everyone else was avoiding due to terrain and vegetation. Beginning of our backpack hunting, we left camp at 3 am and set out to a point that overlooked a corner of an old burn that had a small river flowing through the bottom. After a couple hours of fighting with rhododendrons we came out to the burn and shortly after we got to our destination. About noon we were deciding that no animals existed in the area and were about to leave when I just happened to glance over at a patch of blowdown and saw a nice 5x5 five five stand up. I blurted out bull. Thankfully he was far enough away that I didn't spook him. After a while of trying to decide what to do, we got close enough, or so I thought for a reasonable shot. I missed twice. After a few minutes of looking around he trotted down to a meadow that was significantly deeper into the burn and valley. We decided to get closer and try again. We made it to a little hill that looked over the meadow but were running out of light and the wind was all wrong. By this point the bull and a small herd had bedded down just off to the side of the meadow. We were around 4-5 to five miles from the camp and had some really gnarly terrain to get through. I figured we probably wouldn't get another chance at the bull if we left and thought the herd might stay and come back out to feed in the morning. We went to the back side of the little hill and made a half-ass shelter with rocks and sticks. I made a small fire and we went to sleep. I awoke in the middle of the night to my phone vibrating. It was a message from my wife on my Garmin. She said that she hoped we were able to make it back to the truck because the weather forecast called for three feet of snow in the higher elevations of the Cascades. I was thinking about how crappy the situation had become when I started hearing strange sounds coming from the bottom of the hill, down by the water. It sounded like a mix of laughter and crying with some noises almost sounding metallic. Think rusty gate hinges. I woke my cousin up and he was just as disturbed by it as I was. We stayed silent and just listened. It was downright creepy and lasted until around 4 am. Needless to say we didn't sleep. We did see the elk again but didn't take a shot because of the upcoming storm. Never figured out what the noise was either. My story starts about 25 years ago. 17 years old. I used to take a short cut through the woods. Freeport, Long Island, New York. And heading towards the shortcut, I'd say maybe about 12 blocks, I had to go through like a marshy swamp area. About a hundred yards in, it's dark. It's in the back of an old railroad station. No lit light. You could barely see. You could barely see 20 or 30 yards. About a hundred yards in there, I had to follow a trail along a fence, I had to sit down to smoke a cigarette. I'm sitting there. 17 years old. I'm not scared of much especially growing up in New York. All kinds of surprises. Until after this experience. So out in the marsh, I'm sitting down and out in the marsh, I hear some dog tags, you know, clanking together. I didn't think much of it. There are a lot of dogs out there, goofing off. And as I sat there, the chains just started coming closer the tags were clinking and clanking and started coming closer. So I'm thinking a dog's on its way, no big deal. No need for alarm. As my ears. I couldn't really see. To my left was a creek that came out of a pipe that came from under the property. It wrapped around in front of me to about a 10 or 12 yard drop to the creek. The creek's about 10 yards and a sand bank on the other side. Then there's some type of marshy small trees and then you could see maybe 10 or 20 yards past the creek. Those clanking sounds are coming closer and closer. My ears are telling me that it should be visible soon, should be coming into my range. And I still thought it was a dog so I'm expecting to hear a little critter, you know, coming through the grass and the leaves and whatnot. And I hear two footsteps. I hear something with two footsteps. Thump. Thump. Thump and it's coming towards me. Not a French poodle. Not a German shepherd. Two distinct footsteps coming through and you can hear the grass, and the walking and the dog chains are still clinking clinking. That's about when my alarm bell went off. I'm thinking, okay, this is a problem. There's no way you can think this is anything but a problem. Something's wrong and my ears are telling me that I ought to be able to see this thing and it should be right there on the other side of the creek. This kinda just dragged on for about 20 minutes. It didn't just walk up. I'm thinking serial killer. I'm thinking. Something. I didn't know. Just bad. And I was ready to go because I should have seen it. My ears are telling me it should be there but I couldn't see it. And I'm looking around trying to figure should I go back to the right or should I go to the left. And I'm in New York so it's not always a friendly place and I'm out in the middle of this swamp and you can't see that good. To get to the back street of the neighborhood I was heading to, I had to make a left about 10 yards, go across the pipe to the right, go another 25 yards then up the side of the hill. It brings me to the dead end street, straight up there to the neighborhood and I have about 30 more blocks to my house. And the trail on the other side went away from the creek. So whatever would have been done there on that bank would have had a 30 yard trip to where it was and I had a 30 yard trip to where it was. So I got up and bolted. I figured I'd beat it. I hang to the left, run to the right and I'm in full sprint. I'm the athletic type, I'm 6 foot 2. And just where I got to the point where I would go up this hill, A ten or twelve foot shadow with red beady eyes stepped up from the bank and was standing right there. Ten or twelve feet. Huge. It had horns. I froze. It had horns. Just an outline. It was as dark as dark could be. All you could see is dark, all you see was an outline. Looking into this creature, it was as dark as night. Red beady eyes. Beady. Not just glowing eyes red beady eyes. And I froze. I was just stuck. And I don't know how long I was there. I stood there contemplating some kind of communication coming at me, like step into me or something. I didn't know. But I didn't want to touch it so I did what any red blooded 17 year old would do in this situation. I turned around and I ran. And I ran. And I didn't stop running. I ran all the way home. This was like 40 blocks you know. This was like two miles. I came home sweating, huffing. My parents kind of looked at me odd. I was well raised, you know, yes sir, no sir. No ma'am. Catholic boy. I was in an almost shock. I couldn't explain to them what happened. I didn't dare. They would have committed me. They would have sent me to private school or something. I told one person in my life. I grew up in Catholic schools and I tried to tell my priest. Bell asks what he thought the creature was, it was just a definition to figure out that life wasn't what I had figured out at that point. It was something that alienated me from what I considered normal. I was in the US Air Force, 1962-1970, and volunteered to go to Vietnam in 1965. I got orders to go to Nha Trang but when I arrived in Saigon, I was instead sent to Thailand and ended up at R RTAFB which in the north close to the border of Laos. It was a small base with just a couple of hundred personnel. We didn't even have any jets, just prop planes. A couple of months after my arrival, the base started really ramping up. They built a whole new barracks area and more personnel started arriving. I was an electronics tech in the communications service. We had a tiny comm center next to the runway. There were four vans with crypto gear parked next to each other with a Quonset hut for the teletype machine centered on the vans. There was a hooch we used as the shop and a couple of others for the radios and other comm equipment. We had wooden pallets laid out for sidewalks, as it got pretty muddy during monsoon season. At the end of one walkway we had a water buffalo, A big water tank on wheels that held our drinking water. During night shift, it was the newest guy's job to make coffee for everyone in a big urn. You'd carry the urn out to the water buffalo, fill it, bring it back and do your thing. So one night, this had to be in early 67 as we were already living in the new barracks but the new comm center wasn't completed yet, the new guy hauled the urn out to make coffee. After a while, Somebody noticed he hadn't returned and went looking for him. He found the urn laying on the ground by the water buffalo but no sign of the airman. We went on alert, the base was locked down and a big search started. He was gone. Naturally, we all assumed he had been snatched by the Pathet Lao, Laos version of the Viet Cong. What we couldn't figure out was how they could have penetrated into the center of the base. And why grab an 18-year-old airman third-class teletype operator? Due to the treaty with Thailand, we couldn't carry arms so it was up to the air police to tighten up security. We were pretty spooked. Probably a good thing we didn't have guns. Ha ha. So three days later I was in my hooch and a guy came running in saying they found the missing guy. They found him on the ground right next to the water buffalo. Now, The missing guy's hooch was right next to mine so I went in there. A minute later he came in, escorted by an AP, and started grabbing his stuff and throwing it in his duffel bag. I asked him what happened and he said, I've been ordered not to talk about it. So I asked him where he was going and he said, to Japan. The AP was very uncomfortable and told me not to talk to him so I shut up. I looked him over as he packed and could see he was in fine shape. He was clean and all I could see wrong were three or four scratches on his cheek. He finished up, said bye. And off they went. We never saw him again and never heard anything else about the matter. We all shrugged our shoulders and figured the Patet Lao weren't the type that beat up their captives. We couldn't figure how they penetrated the base twice though. We figured it was just to intimidate us and things just went back to normal. I was happy when we got moved into the new comm center and away from that spooky spot by the runway. So years later in the 90s, I was watching a TV show about alien abductions and they said something about the victims having skin samples scooped out of their cheeks. I suddenly flashed back to that event and remembered the marks on that airman's face. Could it have been? This story takes place during a rafting trip on the Deschutes River in central Oregon. My girlfriend and I had decided to drive down from the Seattle area for the famous Salmon Fly Hatch. With that being said, due to the timing of the year there's a ton of people on the water. Guides doing day trips, as well as other folks like my girlfriend and I spending a couple days fishing, floating, and camping. Our first day of the trip goes by pretty poorly. I had a crappy boat and no idea what I was doing. Dry bags leaked, I hit a rock and got us a sizable leak and then had forgotten the bucket so I spent the rest of the trip bailing out the boat with a water bottle non-stop. So needless to say, we're both pretty frustrated and tired and as the day turns to dusk we're scouting out any possible spot to throw our tent up for the evening and get out of that crappy boat. Finally things are looking up for us. We come up on this beautiful stretch of water with a small island diverting the river into two flows, with the main flow going along the deep left channel at a pretty good clip. On the right side bank a big clearing surrounded by tall grasses. This is where we chose to make camp for the night. We do some fishing, cook, and decide to lay down for bed and read until it's time to really go to sleep at full dark. Going out to take a leak nobody as far as I could see or hear had decided to camp anywhere near us, and prior to a few boats floating on by while we set up camp as far as we knew, we were alone. That's when the music started. At first it sounded almost faintly like someone was throwing a rave, with dance music and the like. My girlfriend and I looked at each other like what the hell? But we chalked it up to the wind-carrying sound from far away because at this point the music was still intermittent. It gets louder. And louder. And now we can make out the music except it's not. You know that feeling when someone is blasting the bass out of their car subwoofers and you can feel it in your chest, and in your head? We're feeling there, whoever they are, music through the ground as we're trying to sleep. And all we can hear is this unworldly, jarring, collection of disjointed bass or drum notes coming through the ground. It doesn't resemble any music I've ever heard, or even any sort of beat you could dance to. By midnight or 1am we're starting to getting really damn pissed off. It has been since around 10pm since they started and so that's when I finally decide to go find whoever the hell they are and shut down that damn noise. I have one of those really powerful headlights that lets you output like 1500 lumens for a short burst and it really just lights up the whole damned countryside for hundreds of feet. So all pissed off I jump out of the tent and turn up my headlight of doom and I'm just furiously scanning everywhere I can see. Up and down the river, behind us as far as I can on our own bank, across clear to the other bank, and the little island in the middle. And there's not a single thing in sight. Complete pitch darkness. I turn off my headlight to see if I was washing out any light and I stand there for about 10 minutes to see if my eyes adjust and see anything. Absolutely nothing at all and this maddening noise is going on endlessly. At this point I realize it's the same three disjointed songs playing over and over endlessly. My girlfriend starts crying because she's exhausted from the bass rattling our skulls while our heads on laying down on our pillows. We're unable to sleep for hours as this thing continues on through the night. Finally, sometime around 4.35 am it must have stopped and we both drifted off to sleep. I have a hard time sleeping in so I woke up by myself at around 6.37 and I roll out of bed furious, once more just going out to go see if I can find whatever bastards were making that noise all night long. We never saw or found any sign of those people. We waited until about 9 a.m. slowly breaking camp after eating breakfast before we rode out in the main current and back road to try to get a good look at the other side of the small island, and we saw no signs of people. The only reasonable theory we have is that sometime after we went to bed, some folks floated down to the far side of the little island and threw some sort of party? Ritual? All through the night and somehow slipped out between 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. If I wasn't with my girlfriend and she hadn't corroborated as well, I would have thought I was going insane. Just one long, maddening, sleepless night full of the same noise over and over, with no evidence before, during, or after that it ever happened. Living my life in central West Virginia, I have spent a lot of time hunting in the Monongahela National Forest. While bow hunting in a stand of red spruce on October 31st, yes Halloween, this happened to me. This takes place back when portable stands had a chain that wrapped around the tree and fall protection consisted of two pieces of seat belt material one around the tree ran through the other wrapped around your waist. I was in the stand overlooking a small creek and had watched a couple of doe walk by and decided to stay until full darkness. The moon had risen early so there was some light and I had a flashlight in my pack. As I was getting ready to lower my bow I heard loud wing beats heading towards me through the spruce trees when all of a sudden a very large owl landed on a branch about ten yards from me. I sat motionless watching the owl as it sat there watching me. After several minutes I slowly turned my head to look back to the creek to check for deer one more time before climbing down. All of a sudden I heard wing beats again and the owl was flying straight towards me with talons extended. I threw my arms up dropping my bow in the process and screamed at the demon owl who was trying to knock me to the ground. Fortunately the owl veered away from me and I didn't fall out of the tree. After a few minutes I regained my composure packed up and walked out to my truck without any more harrowing experiences. Nearly a year ago the people living along the river front near Preston were set agog by the appearance in the woods of a strange being in human form. When discovered by a party of hunters on his all fours pawing and neighing like a horse, their attention was first attracted by what they took to be the whining of a startled horse in the undergrowth. When advanced upon, The strange being ran off on his hands and feet but the pursuers gained upon him so rapidly he sprang to his feet and quickly covering the short distance to the river, plunged headlong from a rather high bank into the water and swam to the Indian side. When he reached that bank he stood up, shook himself like a horse just out of a bath, and with what might really be called a horse laugh ran off into the woods. Some months later he was seen under much the same conditions but this time west of Woodville, on the Indian side. Only a few weeks ago a man crawled across the road in plain view of several people not far from where the horseman was first seen but disappeared, the pursuit being somewhat tardy. Since Sunday last the people living near Colbert, 10 miles east of Preston, Grayson County, Texas, have been hunting for a strangely acting man who crawled about like a snake until pursued, when he would jump to his feet and outrun the fastest horses ridden after him. Others who pursued him on foot say they shot at him at close range but the bullets, if they struck their target, seemed to have no effect. As late as last evening children claim to have seen the crawling man again near the Varner place, six miles from Colbert. A phone message from Colbert this afternoon confirms previous reports sent out from Durant about the state of excitement and the gathering of several parties for pursuit, but states that public interest has received something of a chill because some of the parties who were present when the close-range shots were tired say that although the peculiar being was in the open and very close, that he disappeared with the smoke of the powder. At the Varner place he crawled into the henhouse, It is stated that out in the field a dead chicken, bitten in the neck, and from which there was the appearance of the blood having been drawn, was found. Though with somewhat reduced enthusiasm the people of the Varner neighborhood are preparing for another big roundup this afternoon and tonight. I read some of your Ouija board stories. I have one that I believe proves that these boards can become haunted. My father used to buy things from eBay, then sell it at their actual price. One day he purchased an old Ouija board. Its box portrayed it as a game fun for the whole family. None of my siblings played with it though and neither did I then a few days after the board arrived, weird things started to happen even though no one touched the board. It was on a shelf in the garage. One night, the first of many nights, I woke at 3.33am exactly. I woke up scared for no reason. No nightmare, just scared with a very bad feeling. I'd always just lay there awake, then turn over and try to go back to sleep. This first night, I turned over and tried to go back to sleep. But when I turned and laid my head on my pillow, I immediately heard a man's voice that said directly into the ear, go back to sleep. I jumped up and woke my sister who shared a room with me. I was crying and terribly scared the voice wasn't my father's. No man another than my father lived with us. Another day at home, I was watching a movie alone. I paused the movie and took the remote with me to the bathroom. When I came back to disc was out and place on the table next to the TV. The disc drive on the Xbox was open, and my room was tossed all over. It was a mess. Another time in the same house, I left the kitchen and heard something behind me. When I turned I saw a man in a red flannel shirt behind me, though I heard no doors open. I ran from him and turned back around and he was gone. My father soon sold the board and we moved soon after. I've had nothing weird or paranormal happen since.